0: You're listening to Work It Lady, where the goal is for all ladies to be the best versions of ourselves. And if you happen to be a mom, be the best mom ever and maintain your sanity while we do it. Ladies, this is going to be a great episode because a lot of us here are either in the corporate field, you know, we work different corporate jobs, we're in corporate America, or we have our own businesses. And a lot of us are authors as well here in the audience. So this is going to be a great episode because we have a lady in today who can talk to both of these points. Okay. Her name is Karen Manja. Hi, Karen. How are you?
1: Great. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity to be here with your amazingly talented audience.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Um, so Karen, there's so much about you that I really just love when I was, you know, reading up on you and everything. So first of all, um, you are a New York Times best-selling book author and you've written four books. Can you please tell us the names of those four books?
1: Yeah. So Success From Anywhere. That's the most recent one. And then prior to that, listen up, how to tune into customers and turn down the noise, preceded by working from home, making the new normal work for you. And finally, success with less, releasing obligations and discovering joy.
0: Now, the title of those books, two of them like are so appropriately themed. Did you write two of those during the pandemic? Yes, I did. And in
1: fact, <laughs> a, a fun story, the working from home book, was not contracted or in my 2020 plans. And I was having a conversation with my editor about the Listen Up book. And we started talking about working from home. And I shared with her, I was writing a blog and how everyone was tuning in to learn more about these tips about working from home. And she said, working from home, do you think you could write a book about that? And I laughed. I said, Oh, I can do that in my sleep. Now there's no such thing as writing a book in your sleep. Okay. And, and she said, could you do it in two weeks? Oh my goodness. Right. Exactly. I said, no, I can't. She said, how about 30 days? And I said, why not? So that conversation happened in May of 2020. And that book came out with Wiley in August of 2020. So sometimes opportunities present themselves. And our job is, you know, to just ask why not. That is exactly right. Wow. Kudos
0: to you for just saying, you know what? Yes, I can. And I'm going to do it right now. You know, you just responded. That's amazing. And what a book that's so needed, you know, um, as we know, the pandemic has really Disproportionately affected women, you know. So kudos to you for being a woman and writing a book that's so needed right now. Again, guys, she's a New York Times bestseller, um, and I have a whole host of questions that I want to ask you today. So the first one that I wanted to get into is: Yeah, you, know, you have a real big background in business and sales, um, as you know. You even have a whole book dedicated just to that. But give us a day in the life in the role in your role as at Salesforce because you are also, you know. Ed Honcho over at Salesforce, what's that like?
1: My day job is fascinating because it's all about curiosity and discovery. And I feel very fortunate to be a part of our market strategy team and to work as a thought leader. And what that means is I have an opportunity to track trends and understand the challenges that our customers are facing and you know, share leading practices and new ways of thinking about creating the future, ideally in a way that inspires them to want to build that vision with Salesforce. And I focus on three primary areas. The first one is the future of work. I mean, obviously, that's been boring. Nothing is just changing in the world of work. Uh, the second one is all about voice of the customer and customer experience. You know, so how do we connect with our customers and really hear them in new ways? And then the other area is about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and that includes racial equality and justice. So those are the three areas where I spend time doing deep research, deep listening, and then formulating not only a point of view, but ideally frameworks uh, that are current and what we hope are our future customers can use to access their own success and change the conversation inside of their own teams and organizations.
0: That is so powerful. I mean, marketing really, I feel is like, you know, so huge. You know, if you work in corporate and you're working in a marketing department or if you have your own business, I mean, that really is the driving force behind your business. You know, the marketing just really has to be there. Now I, I need to backtrack a little bit because I'm very familiar with Salesforce, but could you just explain if there are some who
1: haven't heard of Salesforce exactly what you guys do? At Salesforce, we do customer relationship management mm-hmm. software and the platforms that help people get closer to their customers and you know, connect different points of data, help them get closer to the customers that they service. And it's really about providing a single unified view of who your customer is, what they care about, and some intelligence around you know what they might decide, do or need next. So you can anticipate their needs and be of great service to them. And, you know, fortunately at this point, we have about 74,000 employees Mm -hmm. and we work with organizations of all sizes, ranging from not-for-profits to huge enterprises. And, you know, we also really look in the direction of being driven by our core values. So if you look up anything about Salesforce, you'll likely read a lot about our culture, you know, of, trust and equality and sustainability and customer success.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, I've always had the best customer service with Salesforce and I love everything that you guys offer. Now, um, let's talk about your career path a little bit. What was your career path like for this position as a woman in corporate and what resistance did you meet?
1: When I think about my entrance into the technology industry, you know, I would love to tell you I was the kid who, you know, had the Texas Instruments calculator and I just wanted to be an engineer or something. In my case, I entered into tech because I was a runaway bride.
0: <laughs>
1: right? How about that? You you heard it here. So I had graduated from university, I was engaged to be married, and I called off my engagement. And after doing that. I took a few weeks and backpacked Europe with friends and came back and received a phone call from a woman who was in my network. And she said, there is a graduate assistantship position open. Uh, You could get your master's degree in information and communication sciences. You could do it in a year. And I thought, okay, I mean, what other options do I have? I called off my whole life plan, right? (laughs) And so I went into this field of technology really by default. I say technology is not something I chose. I think technology chose me because of my circumstances. And when I exited my degree program, I went to work at AT AT&T, originally in project management and then in sales and sales leadership roles. And what I discovered was I really liked being close to customers. I liked the question asking and problem solving and you know, really being able to see how we could make an impact with our solutions and help them make progress. That became an opportunity to go to Cisco and lead not only a big sales team, but a sales team that sells through channel partners. So meaning someone who sits between you and your end user customer. So I learned a very different style of selling and leadership there. And, you know, it's in a different part of the technology industry and life cycle. And then along the way, I had the opportunity to learn a little about operations and customer experience, and that ultimately created an opportunity to come to Salesforce. And when I think about being female in that context, what I think about is how much energy and effort I spent through the years trying to blend in and what I'm really coming to understand at this stage of my life and my career is that blending is not belonging Mm. and I think so many times we settle for blending and by that I mean we become masterfully adaptable you know we look around and say what do I have to do to fit in here mm-hmm. or not stand out or be identified by the, the labels that people could assign to me. And that's a very different feeling than, than belonging, right? Because when you belong, the basis of that is authenticity. I mean, you are who you are and you identify with a group because of that, you know, you have shared purpose, shared values. Uh, you're able to embody what I call a, a kaleidoscope identity, right? You feel a part of the whole while maintaining your individual brilliance, no matter how that shape moves, right? You're still individually brilliant. And there was a point in my career where I had an executive coach and I was trying to get promoted and we had done the inevitable get feedback and there's the survey. And so I'm thinking that my work with her is fairly predictable, you know, identify a behavior that limits you based on people's perceptions message how you'll work on improving this behavior and then voila that will be done check the box you'll get promoted i was shocked and i can still see this scene in my head of her sitting in her backyard and i'm sitting outside and she has this dark jet black hair that's pinned up Mm -hmm. and she has this frameless glasses And she's telling me the feedback. And I said to her, thinking there was a camaraderie because we were both women. Mm -hmm. I said, I mean, really, the reason I haven't been promoted, though, is because I'm female. And she slammed her hand down on the table and her glass of tea leapt up a little bit. And she said, no, it's not. It's because you have some limiting behaviors. And we're here to understand the root cause of why you're bringing those limiting behaviors into your leadership. Wow. It took my breath away, and what I realized in that moment was all that time I spent trying to dress a certain way or or, or to appear to be something other than a young female in high tech, I wasn't fooling anybody. I mean, all the guys I worked with knew I was female and that I identified as female. Mm -hmm. The only person in that instance who didn't feel like I belonged was me because I took those, those labels and I made them into limits. And, you know, we all have ways that we could be labeled and categorized. And there's a real difference, I think, between when we feel other people are assigning those to us versus when we deeply identify with those ourselves, or try to blend in and make those as if they don't happen. I don't, think that we can get to a real sense of belonging in the places where we live and work and really feel a sense of community when we're living out those labels, when we're just trying to be masterfully adaptable and blend in. And that's been a powerful realization because we can really undermine ourselves. Yes, And and that makes our work even harder.
0: Wow. That is wow. What an amazing That's just so important for all of us women to hear, because I think that that's so many of our stories, you know, how often are you the only female, you know, in the conference room and you, you kind of take that, that pressure on, you know, and and I, I, I love that. I love everything that you had to say. And that's such a powerful thing to say. Thank you so much for sharing that. Wow. Um, now, Obviously, you've had a lot of you know corporate experience to kind of fuel your amazing book writing, you know in different areas of business. Now, I would like to know just a little bit more of why you became a writer. What was your? Is there any other reason, any other driving force behind it?
1: Well, it might surprise you to discover looking at me now that there was a point in my early thirties where I faced a mysterious medical condition that ultimately became massive sustained misdiagnosis. And during that period of time, over the course of about three and a half years, my hair fell out, my skin turned gray. I gained 55 pounds without having a baby, Mm. crushing fatigue. And one day I looked in the mirror and my eyes had literally changed color. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all used that expression, you know, I don't recognize the person looking back at me in the mirror. I literally did not recognize the person who was looking back at me. And I felt terrified and hopeless and alone. And I never missed a single day of work for being ill. There you go. How is that possible? Yeah. And so, what's so interesting, and part of what compelled my writing is I was fortunate to get connected with a, a non traditional doctor. I call him the hippie doctor in my books, <laughs> uh, who was willing to really hear me and validate yes, your struggle is real. I see you. I hear you. Uh, um, I will be an ally to help you figure out what's happening here. And at, after three and a half years, I got this correct diagnosis that was DDT pesticide poisoning.
0: Oh man.
1: Wow. And I thought about the connection between poison is literally pulsing through my body and that not missing a day of work. And you know, what I realized was I had poisoned myself as well with a set of toxic beliefs Mm. about what success looks like and the role of work in our lives. And and what I was willing to do to be or seem or feel successful. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I share this story is because if you looked at the LinkedIn of my life at any given point in that continuum, it would be easy to think it all went well. Mm -hmm. And what I've come to understand is there's always a story behind the story And the first book I wrote, uh, uh, Success with Less, Releasing Obligations and Discovering Joy, was about a setback to comeback story and really giving people permission and some tools to deeply examine and change our relationship with success. It is a complicated relationship, right? We all carry a lot of myths and misperceptions about what success is or how it should feel or when it should happen. And what I discovered in that moment was, you know, success was about less, not more, you know, all I wanted at that point was to be healthy enough to enjoy my life. And I thought if I never send another email or do another PowerPoint presentation, but I got healthy, that would be success. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, coming to that place of thinking about, you know, pause, ponder, prioritize and getting crystal clear about what success meant to me moment by moment really changed everything. And I share that story because, and I I initially wrote a book and that was how that journey got started to to give people help and hope and to normalize these stories. Mm -hmm. You know, that these, these choices, this living on someone else's agenda, this feeling of not belonging, this overwork, these toxic beliefs, these limiting beliefs, They eventually take a toll. You know, your body is making an itemized list and one day it's going to hand you a bill. Mm -hmm. And when you have to pay up, it's a shocking discovery. It's a shocking moment. And you wonder, how did I get here? Right? You think to yourself, like, I've got better skills than this, or, you know, I never wanted to be here. And so I started writing that story down and sharing it as a way to really give people permission to take better care of themselves and also to be authentic and real. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, Haven't had it easy. I've made some decisions that that made my own life more difficult. And, you know, I'm still here. I'm still standing. I'm still trying. I'm still giving myself permission to begin again. And we can all do that. And I think there's a beauty in that.
0: That is incredibly true, and I'm so glad you're in better health now. You look great, guys. If you're watching on YouTube, you you look beautiful. I would never guess, but yes, that's many of our stories that, you know, behind the scenes, you're this powerfully successful businesswoman, and who would guess that you were having these health struggles, and I think that's also a story of women. A lot of times we're just pushing ourselves too hard, myself included. I'm horrible about that. I'm still working on that. So thank you for the encouragement. Um, Now, you are also on a mission to inspire new ideas. What can you say to the female listeners who may not have the time and the resources
1: to explore their ideas quite yet? I hear you. Time is a precious commodity, isn't it? (laughs) And the first thing I would offer along the lines of time, you know, when you're looking to create space, I think about a couple of things, you know, divest before you invest. You know, if you're going to say yes to something because you've decided it matters, what will you say no to, to make room for that? I mean, when I was writing a book in 30 days, I was not making Pinterest perfect dinners every night. It's like, what can you read this quick, right? But divest before you invest. And three questions and a bonus question I found help make space when you have an idea or you want to try something new or you're trying to reclaim what feels like lost or overscheduled time. Mm -hmm. The three questions I like to ask in a bonus question, but first, does it have to be? Second, does it have to be me? Third, does it have to be me right now? Mm -hmm. Bonus question, does it have to be a meeting? Oh, I love that one. All right. And when you can create a little space, Uh what's possible is think big, have your big idea and then act small. And I like to think about the five minute fix. I mean, what could I do or try in five minutes a day with my big idea or my big aspiration that creates momentum that moves me forward? You know, five minutes might be watching part of a TED talk, five minutes might be connecting with someone on LinkedIn, five minutes might be reading an inspiring passage, five minutes of meditation, whatever, Mm -hmm. Uh, five minutes of sending out your pilot idea to someone and asking for feedback, five minutes a day. We can find five minutes with those three questions and the bonus question. And what's amazing, I I discovered this when I was researching for Success From Anywhere, if we make a 1% daily improvement we will more than double our impact in 72 days. And I thought, well, 72 days from now, if I've doubled my impact by five minutes a day, that feels doable. Do yeah. the doable. I love that. And oh, that is such a good
0: point. Thank you for sharing that. That is something that I speak a lot in my nutrition class because it's sustainability, you know, time and money are what limit sustainability for a lot of people. And so just the, five minutes. I love that. What can you do just in five minutes to, because then you feel like you've done a little something, you push
1: yourself ahead and you're not discouraged. Like, Oh, I didn't do anything with my big idea today. Yes. I think we tend toward the grand gesture. You know, I must do a five-year plan. I need to tell 25 people about my idea. I need four hours a day to work on it. And I think what would happen if we gave ourselves permission to to do the five minute fix instead of the grand gesture, do the doable five minutes at a time, one choice at a time, one bite at a time to your point of the nutrition, then we're not over-invested. You know, the grand gesture means when it doesn't work out, we kind of tend to stay the course, whether it's working or not, because we think, oh, I've already invested all this time, energy, effort, and resources. i got to keep going with it. If you did something for five minutes or one bite or one sip and it didn't work for you, it's like, okay, next,
0: right? Right. That is absolutely true. Now, um, another thing I want to share with you ladies is that, okay, in addition to all your other amazing qualities, the books and everything else, you have done some TED Talks. You spoke about that briefly earlier. Can you share with us some of your, your highlights? And I will say, you know, when I was looking over your information, your TED Talk really was very, I mean, it was amazing. I listened to the whole thing and um, I was really inspired by
1: it. Well, the idea behind the, the TED Talk is, you know, what happens with, misunderstandings and also misunderstandings in connection with human beings and imagining what might be possible, you know, if technology could play a role in helping us in a way, be prompted to be more human, which sounds kind of funny. We always like to paint the picture of, you know, woman versus machine. (laughs) And at the end of the day, maybe it's like woman with machine. And one of the things that I, I got deeply curious about is, you know, we have all of these devices, right? That, you know, a watch will tell you, you need to move right now or take a breath or sleep, right? Or eat, eat a snack, have a sip of water. And, you know, what's at the core of this is we are in a sense comfortable thinking about technology as a partner in our wellness to a certain point. You know, the wellness prompt, the gamification, you know, I have a meditation app and, At the end, it always tells me how many days of a streak and how many minutes and how many sessions, right? It's all gamified. And I started thinking, you know, what would happen if that same technology that could tell me whether or not my grandfather, who's 98 years old and living well, not just that he took his pills, what if it could tell me that he was lonely Mm -hmm. because he hasn't moved much or interacted much with people today? Well, that's a tool to help me be more human. And I'm starting to see in this future of workspace organizations developing technology to prompt leaders to be more human with their employees, right? Have you checked in, you know, with a person on your team about, you know, how they're feeling today or what's happening, you know, with their service anniversary that's coming up? I mean, sometimes there is an upside, and I got more curious of what misunderstandings actually might be resolved rather than created by changing the role of technology and what that trust gap is that we'd have to close uh, to be willing to give technology more information so it could give us something worthwhile in return.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, we do have a decent amount of parents myself included And when you become a parent you kind of start viewing like all technology is just like ah, you know evil thing and we can't ever spend too much time on it and of course there's a balance there but I think what you said is so awesome because you know if we're using technology to make us more human you know to have more empathy and it's all because we're robbed of time you know like our time is always <laughs> stretched so thin so that is just great, you know, using technology to kind of bridge that gap a bit. I'm, I'm encouraged to see what else you you do in that
1: area. Well, thank you, And as I, I've just completed about 300, believe it or not, one-on-one interviews with people who are really reworking work. I mean, changing the construct of work, what it is, where it happens, you know, who does it, what time of day it transpires. And what stood out to me is the number of entrepreneurs I interviewed who are using technology to do things like make really personalized, proactive, you know, service anniversary gifts recommendations. Okay, so for example, one company created this technology that scans your personal preferences. And instead of you getting this generic happy anniversary email from your company and a plaque or trophy or whatever shows up. Instead, it would would send you a message and say, thank you, congratulations on your anniversary. We're so grateful for your service. We know how much you love to travel, cook, and be with your family. So (laughs) your choices are a gift certificate to Airbnb, Uh, HelloFresh is gonna come for a month, (laughs) or a photographer to come take photo of you with your family. And they have all these, all this data about how it's improving employee satisfaction and loyalty because they feel seen and heard, it's personalized. And I think, wow, start to play that out. I mean, that makes that company more human. It makes that leader more human. It says, we see you, we know you. You didn't just get the one size fits all experience. I mean, the possibilities are
0: endless. I love wow kudos to that company because I mean those are things that it's like what are you going to do with the plaque you know like (laughs) what do you really do with it and I mean I think it's all just great and I think that the beautiful thing about it is that we have technology and we can use it in these beautiful ways, like you said, to make us more human. But sometimes I get a little down. I'll be honest that we need all these reminders. It's like, we're just becoming less and less human that the pandemic has definitely impacted us, but I think this is a good thing. It's using technology in a good way and kudos to all those that you're mentoring and, and helping in that area of technology. Um, Now, lastly, I wanted to talk with you one more thing with your TED Talks. What has been, would you say, your biggest
1: success with your TED Talks? A story that stands out to me is someone who contacted me because she shared the TED Talk and the success with Lust book with a young woman that she was mentoring. Mm-hmm. And we all have these people that show up in our lives and we feel that we have an opportunity perhaps to provide some wisdom or guidance or maybe help them on their path forward. And ultimately this young woman, early in career talent ended up contacting me. And one of the themes that I talk about and is especially important for women is the power of hearing your voice, finding your voice and using your voice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, when I was transitioning all of those doctors, I mean, that was a version of me hearing my own voice saying, they don't get it, right? I mean, this isn't a fit and speaking up and advocating for myself. And this young woman contacted me and she said, after I listened to your story and I read your book that my mentor shared with me, I was encouraged and I felt hope and permission for the first time to seek some different medical advice. Mm-hmm. And the reason I was doing that is because I have attempted suicide a couple of times mm-hmm. and people would try to put me on medication or you know send me to some kind of therapist where I felt I wasn't being heard. And your story gave me the hope and the permission to advocate for myself and find different care. And because of your story, I found that care and I'm getting the treatment I need. And I'm in a healthier place. I'm able to work. uh, I feel a renewed sense of energy. And ultimately I've chosen that I want to live.
0: That is beautiful. I mean, the Ted talks, there's been some amazing things. I mean, it's just such an amazing program you know, I, and, and I think it's amazing that you got to be a part of it, and not only, you know, deliver there, but also with your books as well, how encouraging it was for, for that individual, you know, sometimes I feel like, and it's almost a marketing thing, you know, you someone can tell you something, but it, you have to hear it from that person you connect with, and there was something about the way you said it, and the way, I'm sure, you know, she may have heard something similar, but something about your delivery and, and, and the way you said it. And I think as women, when we can understand that we all do have that unique voice and that we all have something to
1: give, we make these powerful connections and we can literally change each other's lives. Yes. I like to say together we rise and stories are so powerful. And that's why I think it's important that we exercise an abundance of caution about the stories we tell ourselves back to what we were talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. because stories are powerful and, you know, we trust ourselves, right? And so if those stories are things that encourage us to tap into our choices and our limitless potential, it's very different than when we tell ourselves the story using that, you know, voice in our head that's saying sabotage style, damaging things to us.
0: That is, that is so true. That is so true. Ladies, this has been so encouraging. Uh, Karen, I want to thank you so much for being here today. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. You've given me a lot of encouragement. And I also, before I exit, guys, though, I do want to bring up Karen's website and share with you guys. Okay, ladies. So we are now on Karen's website. So I strongly encourage you to head over to readsuccessfromanywhere.com. And on this website, you're going to find all the information that you need on Karen, how I'm on the blog page. And, you know, there's just so much information here. I just absolutely love your blog as well. Guys, don't forget, Karen also has... Her podcast as well, so I would definitely recommend that you head over to her podcast. Um, give the podcast a listen; you're going to get some great information on everything she has to offer as far as business. Um, you know her background, um, many many things that we all as ladies here on the podcast need this key information. Um, there is also um, if you keep scrolling. Um, You can also hop over to her YouTube page as well, um, where you can go ahead and subscribe. And there's lots of great interviews and things there as well. So, so much information available that I definitely recommend that we take advantage of. Now, while we're here on your website, Karen, is there any area that you would like the listeners especially to head over to?
1: Well, certainly subscribe to the YouTube channel. I have a series of two minute videos, maybe three minutes where you can discover more tools to access your own success. And sometimes they connect to the blogs with some free resources. And then also coming very soon is the Success From Anywhere show, And some amazing things are happening. I mean, cooking with professional chefs and tap dancing and talking about, you know, adult learning and beginner's minds. So you'll want to be a part of that by subscribing on YouTube, where we look at unlikely sources of inspiration for success and reworking work. I love that, guys. This is awesome. Well, sorry.
0: All right, ladies. So now we've got the full picture on Karen. And I just want to say again um, from me, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate hearing your story. Um, I appreciated learning more about your books and just picking your brain and just being absorbed in all the
1: awesomeness. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity. And you know, I just like to think about success as something that's available to anyone anywhere at any time. It's not a secret society reserved for a few people out there. It's available to every single person here and beyond. Beautiful. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. All right,
0: ladies, I want to thank you so much for listening to Work It Lady. Have a great day and we'll see you in the next episode.